Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the USA? With more than 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. I have their trees and plants at my home, and they're fantastic. Have you had your fair share of landscaping woes and wasted weekends at crowded nurseries? Finding fast-growing trees will be like stumbling upon a hidden treasure, believe me. With fast-growing trees, it's different. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And my audience can get an extra 15% off by using promo code BILL at checkout. So please go to FastGrowingTrees.com. Use promo code BILL at checkout. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt. A billion. Whether you're in the hole for $10,000 or $10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Welcome to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. The media is still in Biden's corner, even though they're getting tougher on the uh, document stuff, because I know this to be a fact. The presidents of NBC, CBS, and ABC News have ordered their White House correspondents to ask tough questions about the documents. They were ordered to do it because it's so embarrassing. Their coverage has been so embarrassing pro-Biden. But there was a fascinating soundbite on uh, Sunday, yesterday, out of Fox News. Go. I think you can just look at the New York Post or Fox News and uh, remember when he announced his uh, uh, election campaign, Florida man announces re-election, page 26. Yeah. There's no doubt that the majority of conservative media, Fox first and foremost, ha has a strong desire to move on from Donald Trump and are not paying enough attention and giving him enough airtime and ink as they used to. How about that? It's a gutsy soundbite from Mara Eliasson. <clears throat> Pretty interesting. All right, let's go uh, to somebody who really follows this stuff cl even closer than I do. Cheryl Chumley, you know her. We've had her on a number of times. The uh, online opinion editor for The Washington Times, a conservative newspaper, author of the book Lockdown, joins us now from Virginia. All right, first of all, um, let's get to the my 
growing personal dislike for Joe Biden. I think that might be a character flaw in me. I, I should not personally dislike him, but he's manipulating people and really harming the country, not just in policy, but in tone. Do you agree? Well, I don't think it's a character flaw in you. I think it would be a character flaw in those who steadfastly continue to support Joe Biden in the face of all his division of the country, in the face of all his outed lies. This is a president who has been brashly and boldly proclaiming things that are the next day, within hours, proven to be untrue, and yet there's no apology, there's no correction. There's usually only doubling down from the White House. And I do look forward to your fact-checking of his speech today, because like you, I watched his statements about the economy and about blacks and the, and the situation with black voters, and I had several red flags going off myself that, yeah. here we go, another train of lies. Well, we have to, though, be very precise and methodical, yes. and I will lead with this tomorrow in my Talking Points memo, and we'll source everything, because like the, uh, and that disturbed me, that the conservative media, the anti-Biden media, they jumped on this, well, Biden didn't have any right to take any classified or documents or, you know, have them in his possession, do anything. That's not true. And it took us a week to find this loopy executive order that Obama signed. Did you know about that executive order? No, I, I listened to your talking points with great interest because you are the first I heard report on that. Yeah. And it's very interesting. The only thing I would say to that is that just because Barack Obama signed an executive order does not mean constitutionally speaking that Joe Biden in fact has the right to declare himself uh, you know, czar of deciding whether he can take documents. That no, but it gives him a legal precedent yeah. in any kind yeah. of action. OK, yes. so look, everybody knows Biden has not explained why there are classified documents in his garage. I mean, it's absurd when you think <laughs> about this in his garage. In my garage, I got a boxing bag and I, I, I went over it. I said, do I have any classified documents in this? Any? That's an easy question. Why do you have them in your garage? Why? Who put them there? Did you know they were there? Did you read them? And, you know, that's what I mean. He'll never, in his mouthpiece, Jean-Pierre, will never even address it. But that's, I guess, why we have the special counsel. I guess he's got to issue some kind of report on that. So anyway, I look forward to it. Let's get, let's look forward now. <clears throat> so we got two House committees, and I know you're following this very closely, Cheryl. We have the Judiciary and the Oversight Committees, all right? And the Judiciary Committee is headed up by Jim Jordan, who's a bulldog and very, very anti-Biden. Um, and it's going to look into a couple of things. Um, the documents, they've already said, we don't really trust the Justice Department and the special counsel we, the Judiciary Committee, so we're going to look at it, too. And they're going to look into whether Hunter Biden gave Joe Biden money when Joe Biden was vice president, gleaned from the foreign uh, businesses that paid Hunter Biden. Those are the two big headlines. Let's take the Hunter Biden thing first. How do you think this is going to shake out? 
Well, I think all these committee investigations, including that, that particular one regarding Hunter Biden, is going to shake out in much the same way that the Twitter files uh, released by Elon Musk through various reporters have shaken out. It's going to confirm and give factual basis for what we already suspect, those in the conservative and critical thinking side of things in America, that Hunter Biden has very deep connections that should have prevented Joe Biden from being president or at the very least raise red flags in even the mainstream media, and they're largely ignored and covered up by the media. But that is a case that wouldn't get Joe Biden kicked out. If he took money and didn't put it on his tax returns, as you know, he's released his tax returns. There's no Hunter gave me 500,000 on it, okay? Um, that would get Biden out of there. That would destroy him. So what are the odds that that happens? You know, I'm not very optimistic when it comes to true accountability on whatever findings come from any of these committees, even the newly created uh, Committee Weaponization of Government and especially the China Committee that's supposed to be bipartisan. I don't think that there is ever real true accountability for some of these politicians, not in this lifetime. But I am optimistic about changing the narrative in much of the media and changing even and educating the, the minds of independent thinkers in America. So next time we go to the ballot boxes, we may have some more informed voters. Okay, so you don't think Jim Jordan's gonna nail that thing down about Hunter giving Joe money? I think he may actually nail it down, but I don't think in the end it's going to matter because the media is going to carry water but it's a crime. like you just. It, it's, a, it, it's a crime. It's a, if he didn't, you know, play, if Joe Biden didn't put that on his income tax return, that's a crime. That's a felony. But you named Hillary Clinton, right, as obvious criminal whitewashing of records. And where's the accountability for her? How many politicians are guilty of crimes that you know? But this right, is this is different, though. This is bribe money. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I see. I don't know whether Jordan's going to do it or not. I mean, I think he wants to do it, uh, but I don't know if it's there. I don't know if Hunter Biden gave his father money. But if he did, no matter what the media does, not going to get away with it. All right. Now, the Oversight Committee is now looking into um, classified documents. Both committees are looking into the documents. Um, but it's also investigating the FBI and uh, the accusation that the federal government, through the Justice Department, helped elect Joe Biden. Are you optimistic that the Comer, James Comer from Kentucky, that his committee is going to get that? Between James Comer and Jim Jordan on the weaponization of government looking at similar issues, yes, I think they're going to be able to show uh, clear infractions on the part of our intel sources and so forth. But again, as far as accountability, if the expectation here is handcuffs and jail time, I think we, do, we need to lower our expectations on that. Yeah, because that's going to happen under Merrick Garland and the Justice Department. But remember, these investigations take forever. Um, mm -hmm. And if there is a Republican a Congress next time, Senate goes Republican and a Republican president, there is a statute of limitations there. They can go back and get these guys. But you're right. It's, it's a very, very difficult thing to do. Last question. Um, I believe that our government is corrupt now. And I've said that uh, on the radio a number of times and on this broadcast as well. I think we have corruption in this country. 
largely because the media no longer, as you pointed out, holds politicians they like accountable for corruption. So a Hillary Clinton gets a pass. Um, and once you have no watchdogs at all, nobody informing the American people at all, yeah, you got Fox News, but even Fox News, as you heard, is they're going a different direction. I'm not quite sure what direction it is, but they're going a, a different direction. But if you have the, a media that's not going to hold the, pre the politicians accountable, which is what the founding fathers wanted, then you're going to have more corruption and more corruption. That's what happens in Russia. I mean, that's what, you know, whatever Putin says is, is great because the press is going to get a bullet in the back of the head if they go up against him. Now, it's not a bullet in the back of the head here. It's a mass group think here. You're in D.C. You know what the group think is, Cheryl. Yeah, and you lay out the sad and sorry state of affairs of America right now, right? It's not just the media's failure to hold corrupt politicians accountable. It's the American public's uh, open acceptance of the media's failures that is really the, the force behind driving this, this open corruption in government. And, you know, the only thing you can do is keep fighting and exposing the truth and doing, uh, doing your job as a representative of the media and hope that in the end, the American people will rise up and fight back about against this corruption because you're right we're, we're headed down a, a path of a third world communist type nation well we're headed down the rome path is where we're headed if yes. you want to really make an accurate historical analogy many many americans are apathetic they just want things from the government as long as they get what they want they don't care about corruption they don't care about violence in the street they don't care about open borders they don't care about any of that just gimme 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 that is absolutely growing. Cheryl, as always, a very uh, stimulating conversation. Thanks very much. And I Thanks. hope we could talk again soon. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming. Might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world reserve currency. Let's hope that doesn't happen. But there are a few things you can do right now. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your money, your retirement, your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Start with a short phone call 
and they can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or put inside your 401k or IRA. So please call or text them right now. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you. Call 877-444-GOLD, 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. Again, that's 877-444-GOLD, or text GOLD to 65532. You're listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. San Francisco. The African American Reparations Advisory Committee has issued its suggestions. $5 million cash for blacks who live in San Francisco. And there's a number of, they have to be born between 1940 and 96. They have to live there for 13 years. A lot of stuff. Blacks make up 5%, just 5% of San Francisco's population. And we're not talking about an awful lot of people here, but $5 million cash ahead, plus all debt forgiveness your home mortgage, anything you have. That's what they want, okay? The reparations in San Francisco. Well, who pays for that? The taxpayers. They just don't pull money out of the air. So every, everybody who lives in San Francisco, the city limits, their tax money is going to have to go for that. And San Francisco gets federal money. So people who don't live there we pay tax to Washington. Washington desert, diverts some of that money in San Francisco for various reasons. They do that for every big city. So that, that money would go there. Now, it's brutally unfair because current taxpayers have nothing to do with slavery. Those is unfair. So what you're doing is you're taking a historical wrong that resonates throughout this country even today, and that's all legitimate, and then you're punishing innocent people. No, not the way America is supposed to work. No. And if this was ever passed on a national level, this would set back race relations a hundred years. The anger would be that Palpable. Even people who sympathize and who want the best for African Americans, okay, would be angry. Not all of them, but many of them. So I uh, I wanted a guest to address this and a lot of other things on a race level, and who better to do that than Ben Jealous, who is the author of the brand new book Never Forget, Our People Were Always Free: A Parable of American Healing just out. I recommend the book. Um, he is the former president and CEO of People for the American Way, a left-wing group. Uh, you might know it. Um, he is a professor of practice at the University of Pennsylvania, comes to us from Baltimore, Maryland. Um, before we get into your book, what about the reparations in San Francisco? Would you sign on to that? Now, I don't know enough about it. What I do know is that when you have an institution like Georgetown University, where there are specific people who were harmed, there's an institution that benefited. They sold off uh, slaves in order to keep the university afloat at, some, at one point, uh, and they've sought to make reparation. It's easier for people to understand. 
I think that it would be easier for people to understand, for example, if it was a, an insurance company uh, or even Levi Strauss that profited off of slavery in some way that's a very wealthy company today. And part of that, it has to do with the, ex the exploitations of certain families, even though it was a long time ago, the wealth endures. So what I found is that when you're talking about reparations bill, the more specific you can be, the more there's a continuity of wealth, uh, the easier it is. I think it's harder to make that, that argument um, with a city government. I'm not, I don't know the facts, you know whether it's bad or good, no, well, but it's certainly But what I, what I told you, Mr. Jealous, are the facts. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, you know, there'll be a lot of legal challenges to this. But if you're going to try to um, correct, let's use that word, historical atrocities across the board, it never ends. It just never ends. I mean, my people in County Cavan, Ireland, had their land seized, seized by the British crown. OK, and that led to the death of the patriarch and the expulsion of two 16 year old boys who had to take a voyage and work on a death ship by throwing corpses into the Atlantic Ocean to get to the United States because their mother couldn't feed them. So, yeah, London owes the O'Reilly family big, but every family, I'll submit to you, has stories like that all over the world. I'm not diminishing, you know, slavery is the top of the chart. There's no doubt about that. And people did a benefit economically. That was what it was all about. Okay. However, right now, we're innocent of that. The people who live here now and exist now and pay taxes now, we're innocent of that. The blood is not on our hands. Would you agree? What I'm saying is that the, what was missing from the facts that you set up was what the specific argument is in San Francisco. I don't, I don't know what it's it is. A, I haven't researched it's, it's the same if, for argument. For example, you just said the that city, Georgetown yeah, the was city, giving yeah, I understand the Georgetown but thing. But we didn't know that. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but that's what I'm saying is that the specifics matter. And without knowing it, I have no idea. All right. But it's easy. Just You could research in two seconds. And believe me when I tell you, the city of San Francisco in the past, in history, discriminated against African-Americans. That's what it is. Georgetown's a private institution. If Georgetown wants to make restitution because of what the college did uh, to slaves, I don't have a problem with that, okay? Um, but I have a problem with forcing taxpayers to fund historical atrocities at this point. All right, let's move ahead to your book. So I, I like... I like what you're trying to do here, even though you and I are on the opposite side of the political spectrum. I like what you're trying to do. All right? You're trying to bring Americans together to solve problems um, and in the racial area. But what and I looked at your book, I didn't read it all, but I looked at it. The main problem in the African-American community, as I see it, is the dissolution of the family. And that leads to poverty and crime and all kinds of antisocial behavior with the father absent. And I think that should be in the forefront of trying to get this rift between blacks and er whites and everybody else solved. Am I wrong? What I would say is that there's a parallel problem amongst poor whites and, the, and poor whites are almost invisible. And so one of the things I talk about in my book is when we actually make the problems facing poor whites visible, as an American family, we tend to come 
together and figure out how to solve them. An example of that would be addiction to heroin and to pills and to painkillers containing uh, similar drugs. Uh, and when you have that, that scourge of, of opiate addiction, for a long time in Baltimore, all the images were black people, even though quietly folks knew there were a lot of white folks dying. We talked about it as a criminal problem, lock them up. And then something happened in the Mid-South and the Midwest. Frankly, sheriffs were burying a lot of people. We talked to them anecdotally that they went to high school. And they started to publish the faces of the corpses. And when the faces of the corpses look like the country as a whole, because drug addiction is fairly constant across racial groups in our society. And as soon as you started seeing white faces, people dying from opiate addiction too, the policy shifted. It went from let's lock them all up to this is an, a problem of addiction. It's a health problem. Let's send them to rehab. So the invisibility of the white poor used to be the black poor that were invisible during, say, the Great Depression. The invisibility of the white poor, who are the largest group, leads to skewed responses because people who don't don't see people who look well, like they're reflected in the media. Yeah, but that's because whites uh, are the majority in the country. I mean, blacks are 13 percent. So always the majority is a bigger megaphone. And the methamphetamine. But, 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 but Bill, please, just as a community organizer, somebody who's organized behind bars, like white inmates are invisible, too. You know, All right, that, the, that may the, be true. We have a tendency. And what I'm saying is that is that those numbers matter. There's eight million or so blacks in poverty. There's 16 million whites in poverty. Honestly, I have people in poverty on both sides of my family, white and black. And the invisibility of the white poor constrains, frankly, the political imagination about the problem and therefore the solutions. That's but there's all only so much the government can do about poverty. Unless you want to have, a, you know, a socialist system, which is what the far I mean, left. I'm part. a venture capitalist by trade, right? Like what I do is I grow companies. I've done that for eight years. Me okay. and educate for. But then you know, five. you know, poverty is driven by behavior. That's what drives poverty. The lack of education is number one. People don't get educated. Well, they the can't do anything. factories going to China. Right. Uh, all I mean, right. But that's not the main. We have almost full employment here. Well, he, I mean, yeah, but it's but it's different. It's different. You know, I live in Pasadena, Maryland, very conservative community. This community started as vacation homes for factory workers in South Baltimore. That's, you know, or from South Baltimore. But when Bethlehem Steel shut down in Baltimore, it wasn't just South Baltimore that got unemployed. It's full of poor white folks. But it's West Baltimore, where my family's from. And so all I'm saying is that like, we've got to have jobs in this country. I think you would agree for, for men who didn't go to college and, and in the white community. But the, the jobs are there we have, now. We have a lot of kids. The mm -hmm. jobs are there. If you want to make money in America, you can make money. I mean, geez, just being an Uber driver, Ben, I mean, you can, you can pull in $70,000 a year. Yeah, I'm going to go back but, to the cultural driver of poverty is the failure of families. It's not a government failure in America. It's a personal failure. The parental, and, and this stems across all colors. Absolutely, you're right on that. But when 72% of African-American babies are born out of wedlock, and a lot of those fathers split, okay, you got a dastardly problem. Uh, right. Not if you, 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 but the country. But nobody but talks you about control? it. If you what? control for socioeconomic status, you know, the white community is much wealthier than the black community. If you just look at the poor of all colors, you see very, very similar problems. One of the stories I talk about in my book is a man I was flying next to on Delta Airlines. He had a Confederate flag 
over his heart. A bright red shirt. This is like 2010. And, you know, I was head of the NAACP, and the guy next to me said, flag over his heart. It's kind of awkward for a second. But we ended up in a conversation about affirmative action. And I, we started talking about how, you know, how much it benefited white women. They were the biggest beneficiaries. And he cut me off. He said, but Ben, that's not the problem in my family. He said, I'm wearing this shirt because Ole Miss gave me a shot because I was a football player. He said, but I'm pretty much the only man in my family since we came over as part of the Georgia penal colony not to end up in prison. And what are we going to do for the boys in my family? So we ended up talking about mass incarceration. We also talked about the need, frankly, to create a preference. Uh, and some universities have this, but not all, for people who are first-time college, for people who are coming from a low-income background, to help open up the doors. My dad's family helped start Harvard in 1636. They gave 200 acres for that school. The reality is that back end class rank literally meant class rank, like where, not where you were in your academic class, where you were in the social class, how much wealth did you have? We have discriminated against the poor in this society in a way that's profound. And so part of what I'm doing in this book is trying to do what Dr. King did at the end of their life and say, look, race is a wedge. It's used to, to divide the poor. King was assassinated, trying to bring the poor back together. And it's really important that we make if all the, the poor visible. I'll that's submit the first to step. you, Ben, the if the poor want to improve themselves and move into the middle class or even the upper wealthy classes, they have an opportunity to do that in this country. But there are certain oh, steps you have to take. And unless the African-American community rallies around the family, the 40s and 50s, the African-Americans had stronger family structures than the whites in this country. The tradition was stronger than the whites, okay? But it collapsed in the 60s, and now it's led to deprivation. Last word. What I would say is that um, you know, my family is very strong. We invest in education. We've had some privilege on both sides, even though my mom grew up in the public housing projects. And we need to make sure that the poor, uh, uh, whites and poor blacks are visible, that we tear down the barrier of race between them so they can assert frankly, demands together for better schools for all their kids, for, for fair pay at work. Yes, I totally believe in education and strong families. We also need to make sure that people get a fair wage for a full day's work. Okay. The uh, book is Never Forget Our People. We're always free. Ben Jealous. And we appreciate it, Ben. Let's talk again soon, okay? Absolutely, Bill. Thank you for having me on. Sure. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I'm Mike Slater from the podcast Politics by Faith. This is a crazy time in our country. It's stressful. 
a lot of anxiety and it's going to get worse. And I realized that one of the things that helps me take away the stress is realizing that there's nothing new under the sun. So on this podcast, we take the news of the day and we run it through the Bible and other periods in history to realize that we've been through this before and we can rise above again. Politics by Faith, anywhere you listen to the podcast. Politics by Faith. This is the No Spin News Weekend Edition. Okay, so um, a new House committee, subcommittee, has been created to investigate the FBI and the weaponization of the federal government in politics. Select subcommittee headed by Jim Jordan, a Republican from Ohio, as you know. Um, the subcommittee, they say, will be granted access to the highest levels of the FBI and CIA, get their records, and issue subpoenas to find out if they interfered with the presidential elections of 16 and 20, which they did. We already know that, but now we're going to get data, I guess. I guess. I'm not sure. The subcommittee uh, will include 13 Republicans, five Democrats, and uh, House Speaker McCarthy is in charge of appointing who's going to be on that, but they know that Jordan will handle it. Now, all of this is good because I was on a Hannity uh, radio program today, and I talked about this. We talked about it, Hannity and I, about how the FBI has been corrupted, and it's the most powerful law organization in the world, and, and it's corrupt now. And I, there's no doubt that it is. Um, and I, so I asked my staff, find somebody who knows all about this. And we came up with a man named Thomas Baker. He's got a brand new book, The Fall of the FBI, How a Once Great Agency Became a Threat to Democracy. He uh, was a special agent for the FBI for 33 years. He joins us now from Colorado. So, Mr. Baker, thank you for helping us out tonight. And I mean, it, the question is simple. I don't think there's any doubt the FBI interfered um, with the 16 election on Russian collusion. And then again in 20 with the Twitter situation, they were trying to suppress stories, the Bureau was, uh, with the social media companies. But who's behind this? What is happening there? Do you know? This began, Bill, uh, was caused by Robert Mueller when he was director, creating a cultural change in the FBI. And it was exacerbated by the poor leadership, terribly poor leadership of James Comey. All right. So the first name you mentioned, who was that again? Robert Mueller. When he was directed, okay. he became directed just a few days before the September 11th attacks. Correct. So and you now, say, you say Robert Mueller, okay, as director of the FBI throughout the 9-11 years, okay, corrupted the FBI. Number one, how did he do that? He, he set about, and he said he was doing this, to change the culture from a law enforcement organization to an intelligence-driven organization. That had a lot of unintended consequences. Basically, in a law enforcement organization, you exist, you live. Your mindset is every day to go forward to that day. And that day comes when you raise your right hand, swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's quite different than an intelligence agency which their tool is deceit, deception, they deal in estimates, best guesses. He changed that culture inside the FBI. He created the environment situation where these very specific abuses, one or two which you alluded right. to, were allowed to take place. 
Now, that makes perfect sense to me. So after 9-11, it goes into a domestic intelligence agency like the CIA is a foreign intelligence agency instead of concentrating on its mandate of law enforcement. That makes perfect sense. So in the process of that transition that Mueller is overseeing, is he hiring ideologues like Comey and McCabe and all these people that surface to try to defeat Donald Trump? Did he hire those people specifically because he knew they were left-wing people or Democratic people? Not exactly, but those who got ahead were those who came up on that, on that, uh, on that intelligence side of the House. And he, he changed, changed the way cases were managed. He did the, what the CIA does. He drew it, drew it all in headquarters. Traditionally, in the FBI, cases were managed from the field, and there were levels of review, field agent, then the field supervisor, then the agent in charge, and finally headquarters had some oversight. What Mueller did with the Hillary Clinton email investigation and the Russian collusion uh, fiasco, he brought them into headquarters, and that that continued um, very much uh, to the present day. And that's, yeah, that's I mean, okay, so... They uh, brass at the FBI was calling you shots, but it still doesn't explain why a person like Hillary Clinton, who obviously broke the law by having classified information on her personal cell phone. There was no doubt about that. All right. And the FBI actually had to say it to the American people. But then it said, well, she didn't really know. She didn't do it on purpose. Prosecutors wouldn't bring this case, which was a political decision. Correct. But why did they want to cover for Hillary Clinton? That was that was James Comey and his poor leadership, and he specifically did that. And I know from people I'm talking to, in the New York office and elsewhere, they were very upset with that decision at the time. But that was Comey, served the role of, of Department of Justice, of the U.S. Attorney, and ultimately of the Attorney General in doing that. He was he was just his poor leadership exacerbated cultural bad cultural change that Robert Mueller had started. Okay. But Comey would have to favor the left. And, you know, Trump had a chance to fire Comey and didn't. Um, but he, he obviously was favoring the left. I mean, that's what these FISA warrants on the bogus uh, information on Russian collusion. That was what it was all about. And then it didn't stop, even though the right wing and the conservatives and Trump himself attacked the FBI. The FBI still injected itself into the 2020 election by going to Twitter. And this is from Elon Musk and basically telling Twitter, don't run anti-Biden stories. I mean, they, they, they seem to be they seem to be emboldened, even though they were exposed. Essentially, that's one of the most outrageous things of all. And the people on the left, as well as the right, should be outraged about it. That, that really violates the whole spirit and intent of the First Amendment of the Constitution, freedom of speech. The FBI and the federal government is forbidden from interfering with people's yeah. freedom of speech. Well, now that's why we have... private entity to do it. Absolutely. That's why we have now all of this. What drives me crazy is when uh, you get the FBI chief, uh, the present guy, going into Congress and won't answer any questions. I mean, he just won't answer them. Oh, there's an investigation here, and I can't really answer that. 
I mean, and then, you know, he walks back and Merrick Garland's not going to do anything to him. No, what, what happened, and you're referring to uh, Chris Ray, but every time that one of these things have come to the surface, going back to the Russian collusion and two or three other instances over the last three or four years, he has always said ultimately to Congress and others that the, the uh, miscreants, uh, the bad apples have been fired. And what he's failed to do, in, in my mind, in the mind of many of us, he's failed to look at the underlying reason why this keeps happening, why we keep having this problem with the FBI. And it's because of this fundamental cultural change. And the only way you're going to reform the FBI, change the culture. And that can be done. Sure, that can be done. But I don't believe Ray. Ray, Ray had to know that his agents were going to Silicon Valley uh, on a regular basis because they actually paid uh, Twitter $3 million, okay, for what I don't know, but we'll find out. But Ray had to know they were doing that. He, he had to get a report from those field agents out there. So Ray's just not telling the truth. Well, or they're so deeply into this. And I, I've spoken, I spoke just a few weeks ago to a young woman, a very nice young woman, who's an analyst for the FBI. They just quite can't see that this manipulation of Twitter is actually violating the free speech of Americans. They said they were trying to uh, prevent monkey business at the election by the Russians, but most of the people, almost all of the people whose speech they censored were Americans or American organizations, uh, censored or, or, or shadow banned. And yeah. Well, look, it's got to come to an end. I hope those House subcommittees can do it. I'm not sure they can or not. I know the FBI is not going to answer any questions about anything. They're going to come in there, either take the fifth or say, I can't do this or I can't do that. Um, Maybe they'll get a few whistleblowers. You know, I I just want to make one further comment. I wrote a book called Killing the Mob, and the same thing happened with J. Edgar Hoover. Hoover then changed the uh, FBI from a crime-fighting organization, that's the way it started, chasing the bank robbers in the 30s, into an anti-communist organization that got involved in all kinds of politics. And Hoover did all kinds of illegal things to get dirt on people like Martin Luther King and presidents, every president. Hoover had dirt on them, which is why he kept his job. So the FBI abuses aren't new. I mean, this was an organization that was corrupted by its original director, J. Edgar Hoover, and now we're right back to where we were when Hoover died, and then it cleaned itself up when you were there, in the beginning of when you were there, okay? So history has repeated itself. Last word. Well, and hopefully it will repeat itself again. What happened back then is we had the church committee and the pipe committee, and they laid out a whole series of reforms, FISA, and within the DOJ and the FBI, we had the Attorney General guidelines. And they were good, and they worked for 30 years uh, until um, Mueller and Comey changed the culture. And that's essentially the subject of my book, the damage that those two men did to the FBI. And it has to be undone, and it can be undone. Culture can be changed. Yeah, the Mueller thing is very interesting. So the book is The Fall of the FBI by Thomas Baker. We appreciate it, Mr. Baker. Thanks for helping us out today. Hey, this is Vivek Ramaswamy. The media has systematically lied to you. The Hunter Biden laptop story, the origin of COVID-19, the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, or how your money's being spent in Ukraine. Enough already with the lies. No more lies, hard truths only. That's what the Truth Podcast is all about. 
It's not standard conservative talking points. If you want that, go somewhere else. But if you want the hard truth delivered to you in a way that challenges you and will challenge me intellectually, you're not going to find anything like this on the internet. Subscribe to The Truth Podcast today on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the No Spin News Vault. And joining us now from Cleveland, Ohio, is Geraldo Rivera, who on Monday, May 16th, has a golf outing to benefit LifeWork, L-I-F-E-S-W-O-R-C dot org. You're not going to play golf, Rivera, unless it's miniature golf. You're not going to. Are you going to be out there? I'll be hum, I'll be hobbling using the seven iron as my as my crutch. <laughs> Boy, that'll be a gruesome that'll be a gruesome sight. But I want people to uh, support life's work, and uh, I want to mention that this is at the Old Westbury Long Island Golf and Country Club, and people can sign up and come and play, and you'll be there. Correct? That's absolutely right. It's the I think the 35th year. Sean Hannity uh, always makes a cameo. I'd love to get you there. I don't know what your golf game is like. Probably a lot better than mine. Mine well, was. I can, I can. I can tell you. I can usually get it through the windmill. I can usually get. That. <laughs> I'm not a golfer, but I'll try to get there if I can. I just want to thank you again for coming and giving that uh, stirring speech. I thought that it was really right on. Everybody uh, understood the concept there. The pursuit of happiness. Very, uh, I think, uh, articulately. Uh, zeroing in on what it is that we do. We allow people with developmental uh, disabilities who otherwise would be warehoused to have a life and pursue happiness to the extent that they are able. And uh, you are very generous with your contribution. Uh, Sean also uh, uh, weighed in. Uh, You know, we raised over $900,000 that night for the cause. So uh, I want to thank you again. You've always been a very generous, even though I disagree with you on uh, you know, almost everything, including that today was Monday, we'd probably say today was, uh, but uh, uh, that aside, you've always been very generous. You've always responded to any of the requests I had to help these nonprofits and life's works near and dear to me, obviously because of the exposés I did on the institutions way back when, Bill. Yeah, 50 years uh, you've been involved with this. Have you seen an improvement, a basic improvement in the autism world? I, I, you know, 50 years, a long time. And, and to remind people, Geraldo, as a young reporter for WABC Channel 7 in New York, uh, went to Staten Island when there was a terrible facility. They were abusing people with autism like crazy. He exposed uh, what they call Willowbrook. It shut down. And then Geraldo got involved, which is extremely noble, of course. Have you seen improvement in this whole area? Well, the biggest improvement, Bill, as you as you uh, cite, is the closing of the institutions, the big institutions, the uh, the warehousing where despicable conditions were allowed to exist because the population uh, was essentially voiceless. Uh, you know, no one was defending the uh, the handicapped, and uh, they couldn't defend themselves. And the state of New York and other states, as a result, uh, you know, tried to maximize uh, the number of people they could care for rather than emphasizing the quality of care, plus the concept of institutionalizing uh, the disabled was, uh, they're they're not criminals, they're disabled people, emotionally, uh, uh, physically disabled people. Uh, They're not people with schizophrenia, they're not people with polar, uh, bipolar disorder. They're they're not not dangerous people. They're not crazy Uh, people, they're handicapped people. And and what Geraldo does, once again, is, is 
they build houses, they buy houses, uh, they put the autistic people in the houses with uh, supervision, with medical care, um, and it's a thousand, a million times better than what was happening. Right, let's go into uh, some politics. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. I just want simple answers, so I'm a simple man. I don't want a lot of philosophizing <laughs> here, okay? So uh, it is estimated by the Border Patrol that they're going to have to encounter 8,000 migrants when the um, uh, COVID Title 42 is lifted in May by the Biden administration. First of all, do you understand why President Biden, in the face of massive illegal migration and drug smuggling, and that's something you report on as well, from Mexico, massive, all right, fentanyl overdoses, all-time high, heroin overdoses, all-time high. Do you know why Mr. Biden, who has never even been to the border during his administration, okay, has such a lax policy down there? Do you understand why? Well, I would make the assumption, Bill, that, uh, you know, it's, it is a liberal democratic agenda item, and he's, uh, he's following the, uh, the strong-arming by the squad, uh, AOC and, and others, uh, to be as favorable as he possibly can toward this population. Uh, I think it's a terrible idea. Why, you have Title 42. We're talking about new variants. Uh, and I thought that it was always a kind of a phony uh, reason to restrict immigration by single males. Those are the ones who are being turned back. Uh, but I, at least it was something. Uh, I, I believe that Title 42 should... Uh, uh, if, they, if the rationale for 42 uh, uh, is, is existing anywhere, then I think, why not keep it? Why not? At least yeah, it's it doesn't a, make a any piece sense. legislation. That Just to recap so people know, that gives the border authorities, um, because of COVID, the right to send anybody back to Mexico, including asylum seekers. I don't know whether you saw the article. We're going to do it tomorrow here on the No Spin News. Great Britain is now uh, trying to uh, implement a policy where all people asking for asylum to live in Great Britain would be expedited to Rwanda, Africa, and would have to live there while their asylum hearing is adjudicated. They can't live in England any longer or Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. Now, all I'm doing, why I want to mention this is we're not extremists here in America. This is a problem, this unfettered migration in every single country in the world. Do you understand that? I do. The whole world wants to live in the United States, uh, more importantly. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, everybody wants to live here. If you, But there are some great, let me just very briefly tell you that my translator and driver in Afghanistan, who was with me for 11 very rigorous, dangerous assignments, very loyal, saved my life, Craig's life. Uh, we succeeded through Fox News to get him, Akbar Shinwari, here to Cleveland with his family. Uh, there are also, uh, there's a, some great mosques here. Uh, there's a substantial Afghan population here. We're also expecting a, a large group of Ukrainians to come. There are a lot of Ukrainian uh, uh, immigrants already here in the Cleveland area. America welcomes refugees. We welcome asylum seekers. We just need order. Uh, we need to do it in a in a way that not only is humane and compassionate, but also is practical. Right. For and, the uh, rest this, uh, this of idea. the country. Yes or no question. Is Biden's immigration policy a good thing for America? No, it's not. OK. All right. 
So now we didn't have to yell or anything. That. <laughs> that was an epic battle. That's as close as I ever came to a fist fight and not had one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm glad you would have probably kicked my butt, Geraldo, you know. Um, and I wouldn't be I as handsome that, today but... as I am if that happened. Um, all right, so 35 years ago today, Geraldo Rivera launched the most successful syndicated broadcast of all time. You may remember the mystery of Al Capone's vaults. <laughs> so Rivera relentlessly promoted this. 30 million people, as I said, showed up to watch it. And it was live April 21st, 1986. So it wasn't exactly uh, 35 years ago, but close. Two-hour broadcast. And they opened the vault and nothing was in it, Rivera. I still don't have those two hours back. It's 36 years and it was not empty. There was a Gilby's gin bottle in there. There was a stop sign and some other trash from the era. So put yourself uh, It was very back embarrassing there. to me. You know what was really in there? The what? biggest ratings of all time. And I was unemployed at the time. So the day after it aired, the ratings came out. I was ridiculed from coast to coast. Actually, it was in 16 different countries live. Uh, I was ridiculed. I was embarrassed. I opened up, uh, you know, the, uh, the room service waiter came up and he handed me uh, 22 messages, uh, written messages, all job offers. So That's I went from amazing. being the most famous unemployed That's man amazing. in America to being one of you the know, most. You uh, know, I mentioned, I mentioned the Al Capone thing and killing the mob. Um, but when you were there and you saw there was nothing there, did you panic? Did stuff go through your mind? Like, holy, you know what? I got to fill another hour or so. Did you, what, what were you going, what was going through? I was not going to, they were digging and digging and digging. And I was not going to find anything. And I thought to myself, I've been, I've been fired by ABC. Everybody I know, everybody in the world's going to be watching. I am absolutely humiliated. This is the end of everything. And I, uh, at the end of the show, 15 minutes later, I gathered my wife. We went across the street to a Mexican restaurant. That's what, it's not, not there anymore. The Hotel Lexington's gone also. So I went to this uh, Mexican restaurant and got tequila drunk. And then I dra we dragged us. Uh, yeah, I was dragged uh, to the Hyatt Hotel. Very good. And I Very really, good. that was the end of my professional life. You know, uh, but uh, as, I, it as was, it turned it, out, it was listen, the beginning. Outside of me, you've had the most flamboyant career ever. Final thing. Two okay. weeks from tomorrow, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists comes out. I sent you the book because your daughter is in the book. She was in a terror attack in Paris, France, and we were able to uh, go very, very deep into that attack, thanks to your daughter, uh, who I guess is at Yale now, right? Um, Yale Law School, she graduates next month. Okay. Um, and I want everybody to know it's an extremely compelling story. I, I just sent it to you. I don't know whether you have time to read it or not, but the whole book is just, you're going to love this book because you know so much about terrorism. Right. I can't wait. Uh, it was 2015 in Paris. We knew that she was out for the evening. Uh, we, we worried first that she was in that theater where over 150 people were killed. Uh, thank God she was at the soccer stadium. Uh, but we didn't know that President Hollande, at that time France's president, was in the soccer stadium. So three suicide bombers attacked the soccer yeah. stadium. Our, our, our daughter was inside and 
they blew themselves up. They couldn't get past the French security. They blew themselves up. But then my daughter was stranded there and we were live on, uh, on the air, uh, you know, talking. I remember it. Talking, yeah, trying I to remember get it. it was, well, it was in a, quite an adventure and that is chronicled or, in Killing the Killers. Or, hey, Geraldo, once again, the uh, golf outing is at the Old Westbury Country Club on May 16th. So you can uh, putt with Geraldo and give him a hard time if you sign up. I'll try to stop by on that Monday. It'd be great. great and to see you. Uh, look, good work with the life's work. It's uh, lifeswork.org, and uh, we want everybody to uh, try to help out if they can. Thanks, Geraldo. I appreciate, appreciate it. it. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to the No Spin News Weekend Edition. To watch the full episodes of the No Spin News, visit BillOReilly.com and sign up to become a premium or concierge member. That's BillOReilly.com. Sign up and start watching today. Sorting through your expenses, estimated payments, and all those tax deductions can be overwhelming, might even lead to a failure to file and failure to pay penalties that pile up on your tax debt. The attorneys at Tax Network USA have been lifesavers for many Americans. Their team has successfully saved clients more than $1 billion in tax debt, a billion. Whether you're in the hole for 10,000 or 10 million, they are ready to help. The expert attorneys and tax professionals at Tax Network USA are equipped to secure the best settlement for you and help you resolve all tax cases. So please go to taxnetworkusa.com bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. These debt relief programs are expected to change, so get started now. Please go to taxnetworkusa.com slash bill, or you can call 1-800-245-6000. Tell them Bill O'Reilly sent you.